Welcome to Fantasy Watch, the first show to bring you fantasy analyzing of Overwatch League esports. We're here to talk to you today about the results for season or stage one, as well as talk to you about what we think about the future of fantasy Overwatch. I'm here, and my name is Invictus, and I'm with my buddy Abnerd. What's up, Abnerd? What's up, Invictus? You had a good week, man? Uh, my week has been interesting. What about you? Pretty good. I'm sorry I missed last week's show, but definitely excited to be back talking about Fantasy Overwatch. Definitely, uh, you know, you did a good job last week. I appreciate you filling in and helping out. Dude, I never understood how hard it was to talk for an hour by yourself until last week, but I'm glad that you're back. Uh, We both were kind of crazy schedules and we got the romantic entanglements that are kind of crazy because they both travel a lot and stuff so i understand the need to spend time with her when you can uh how was your week man it was real good Uh, i enjoyed all like four hours that i got to spend with my wife that was pretty awesome Uh, but a ton of really great overwatch to be seen i uh i was very pleased with how stage one ended dude holy chips high end last week was nutty like we had a day where pretty much everything but one game went to five maps. Like, dude, it was it was insane. The stage finals were lit. Like, I just watched a ton of good Overwatch. I don't think I've ever watched so much esports in my life. Yeah, there was a couple weeks back where we said this was probably the best Overwatch we've seen. Uh, that was until last week. Right now, I mean, just some phenomenal games. Uh, I was 100% behind the Houston Outlaws. And I think what is even better is that after the loss, those guys didn't even seem like they were down. They just seemed like they were hungrier for, you know, stage two, the uh, the league finals. They're they're ready to win this whole thing. Dude, yeah, I saw Linkser tweet. He was like, somebody had a picture of Linkser, like, just with his hands and his, or his face in his hands, like, looking down after the match. And he was like, I'm going to think about this forever, his motivation, because I never want to be here again. Um, and that was after playing London and, and losing 3-1. Uh, but the, honestly, that was a really good series. They were really close. London just found a way um, to shut down Drake, Jake, and um, Boston did the same thing. So I think that just like other metas have changed because people have learned to shut down, I think people are going to learn to shut down that tire just like other people did. And we actually, fantasy analysis here, shocker, Jake might start not scoring as many points because those tires might be a little bit more ineffective. Um but that aside, dude, I mean, we saw the Valiant beat Seoul. Uh, we saw Shanghai Dragons take the Dallas Fuel to to the fifth map. That was awesome. I was so excited. I was rooting for the Dragons, man. I really want Shanghai to take one. Exactly. I don't know if you saw how much hate I was getting on Twitter for, uh, you know, wanting the Shanghai Dragons to win. But, I mean, at this point, stage one was a, it was a wash for the Dallas Fuel why not, uh, you know, let Shanghai get a win, especially off of a, a huge team like Envious? So, I mean, number one, I'm a fan of great Overwatch. Number two, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, the Dallas Fuel. So if they got to lose to the Shanghai Dragons, so be it. I, I just want to enjoy the, the Overwatch I, I see. Even as an Outlaws fan, like they're contending and I would never want them to lose to the Dragons. But if they did, it was either because 
Houston, you know, didn't play to their full potential or Shanghai improved to a point where they deserved the win. And honestly, Shanghai looked really good against the fuel. They've continued to look better every week. And I'm excited for their future, especially as they pick up some new players. Whether or not the rumors are true is a whole nother story, but I'm hopeful for them. Exactly. And I'm still trying to decipher whether or not it was uh, Dallas Fuel playing down to, uh, you know, the Shanghai Dragons or if the Shanghai Dragons have just shown up. I'm leaning more towards Shanghai has just improved a lot over stage one. Yeah, I think uh, effect going back to South Korea to handle some personal business, I think, did play a small role. But at the same time, I'm, I'm with you. Shanghai is looking better, man. Yeah, I really liked uh, what I was seeing from them. So um, uh, I'm definitely pumped to see, you know, just the growth of this team from stage one until the end of the season. I might even go back, you know, here in a couple of months and just watch some of these VODs from, uh, you know, maybe week one, week two of Shanghai just to see the growth because I feel like they've already done so much. But, uh, you know, as always, we got a couple of things we want to talk about this week. So uh, we'll start it out with our week in fantasy. With that, we'll talk about the, you know what we think about the format through stage one. Um, we'll also talk about what we're going to do instead of uh, you know set our lineups this week, and then our lessons from stage one. We'll finish everything out with our top three for each class or uh, you know each role going into stage two. So, uh, how did your week go in fantasy Invictus? Well, I, I kind of had a conflicting conflicting results. I, I won in a couple of leagues and I lost in some others. Um, I won by, in the Fantasy Watch League, I won by 600 points. Um, that's a, a pretty solid win, if I do say so myself. Um, in the Outlaw Discord League, I came up by about 250 points. And I beat you in the Foul Play League, or the Experts League, if you will, uh, by about 200 points. Now, one of the things that I think has been the theme, and I saw some people even tweeting about this, is whoever had the most players in the playoffs won. I, I was I'm in another league um, that I did lose a game in. I scored fourteen hundred and ninety points. That is a stupid amount of points, and I lost because my opponent scored sixteen hundred and two. Um, yep. And and it's just like how how does that happen? Like why is that even? an acceptable level of play and it happens because the playoff format um but we can talk about that in a minute why don't you tell me about your week first yeah for sure i mean you definitely lucked out your roster in the uh, experts league you had what four uh four players that had extra games this week jake he had one extra uh you know your london players they got a lot of extra play so no uh you definitely beat me out there now in the fantasy watch league um i was able to beat out our buddy jack by just a couple of points it was a close matchup good old Um, jack that's right he's one of the coolest dudes i got to meet him out at blizzcon i enjoy playing with him too but uh no i mean like we were talking about earlier uh you know effect was out this week there wasn't any really uh at least i didn't see any news coming out before the uh, the games saying that he was going to be out of town, flying back to South Korea. I definitely hope he gets his mind back into things. Biggest thing is I, I really just want to make sure that guy is okay. But uh, Yeah, because they didn't say what the personal reason was. So, like, thoughts go out to effect if it's some um, family stuff or something like that or even if it's just mental health stuff or needing a break. Like, 
you know positive vibes yeah. to them yeah sometimes sometimes you just need a, a little bit of you know you time and i hope that effect gets that he's uh definitely a player that i i like a whole bunch so i hope he comes back strong i hope he comes back with the uh, pma that he needs um but yeah i mean i was able to beat out jack even with that big old goose egg from effect so um, it was a good week overall, and uh, I'm feeling really good about the Fantasy Watch League. I'm tied for uh, tied for second with Romulus, so we'll see how things go from here. Yeah, dude, you actually got kind of got lucky that that it played out the way it did without you having an effect. Because had a had Jack had Agilities made or uh, the Valiant ended up making it to the final, I think you might have been in trouble with Agilities. But I think overall it was still a really close match, and you got a ton of points this week. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm happy Linkser was back because, you know, the past two weeks I've had a tough time. Linkser was out last week. Effect was out this week. So I'm, I'm pleased with the way that things shaped out. But, uh, no, definitely a good week in fantasy. What we're gonna you, have a little break it looks like yeah we are gonna have a break for a week which is kind of or about a week and a half really if you think about it but what do you um what do you think about the format this week i, I know that i we had messaged um some of the winston's lab staff i know we reached out on twitter as well we didn't see any changes but um, i had talked about this a lot on the show last week is that your the stage playoff matches still got you points and that's kind of what we had talked about with how people got extra points and had extra games if you had a player that played for new york or um london uh, you know they had four matches this week instead of two which is kind of broken yeah i don't think it's ideal um i guess it rewards people who were lucky enough to pick up any players from those teams uh i hope that that's something that gets adjusted between uh stage one and stage two um if and, it does i mean you can pro- <laughs> you can probably speak to this a whole lot more than i can since you've been doing fantasy for so long but i can't imagine that there's uh you know any other fantasy sports that take that into consideration because you just can't know what teams are going to make it to the playoffs well, what teams are going to make it to the finals no other sport that has fantasy has like middle stage or quarter season like playoffs which is kind of strange but i do like the way the system works and i works and i do think it benefits a lot of the organizations gives them a chance to win also gives players you know a reason to try to fight for every win because you know you might have zero chance to go to playoffs but if you think you might be able to win the stage four playoffs you're still going to work your butt off to try to get that money and try to end the season on a high note um but the other thing is that most fantasy sports actually end before any playoffs begin to make sure that all players have the equal ability to play the same amount of games. Um, so my biggest issue with it is that there there was basically a massive advantage to the players who made it to the stage playoffs, making any player who didn't go basically inviable to play unless you absolutely had to uh, during week five. So... I really hope that they change that going into stage two. I agree. It's it's not ideal, but I mean, I guess if you are able to extrapolate who you think is going to be in the stage finals, maybe it, it adds a layer of strategy, but not one that I want right now. Yeah, but not one. I mean, nobody's going to give up their possible playoff contenders now or their stage playoff contenders because they're too valuable. Um, exactly. And we'll see what they do. Let's hope for some changes and some balancing. Um, 
they balance some other aspects of the game, but I think they definitely uh, could use with some balance in these aspects as well, and we'll see some improvements there. Um, despite the fact that the stage playoff points helped me a ton, because I have a ton of shares of Fleta and a ton of shares of the um, tanks from London. So I've got both Gesture and Fury in like three leagues. Um, but I think that kind of like rounds out what we thought about the the, the, the stage finals and week five. Uh, Abner, you know, as we finish up the first stage, you know, we've had now five weeks of Fantasy Overwatch. We've been talking about Fantasy Overwatch for about three months. We've been doing the show for about two. Um, you know, I want to kind of go over what we've learned so far or some of the lessons that we have. Why don't you share with me one of the, the top three lessons that you've got uh, from the first stage of Fantasy Overwatch? Exactly. My first one, and quite possibly the biggest one, is that uh, if I knew that some of these point changes were going to come, it definitely would have changed how I drafted my rosters. Um, there would have certainly been some supports that I would have put on a higher priority. So we're talking, you know, Chips, Ark, all those kinds Joe of guys. Nack. I mean, I would have put him way higher. I knew he was going to be good, but like, I wouldn't. I would have ranked him rank one, just because his level above every other support is insane. Exactly. I mean, just a a lot of things that were unforeseen at the time of actually, uh, you know, drafting. Uh, but that kind of brings me into my second one, which is I, I really think that uh, like off-platform drafting, uh, it's almost a must. The auto draft, while it's good for like casual playing. Um, it's really not that ideal when it comes to getting the bless, uh, best players available to you in each round. Um, so for anybody who's starting a mid-season league, I would really recommend that you do uh, You know, your drafting off-platform, uh, just like we did with the Experts League. Now, of course, if you have any questions about how to make that happen, you can always uh, you know, shoot us an email or hop in our Discord. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about that. Um, my last one, though, is really just making sure that you're willing to roll with the punches, uh, especially through like the first couple of stages, but most importantly through the first season. Um, I think there's going to be a whole lot of different adaptations or, you know, adjustments that you're kind of just going to have to deal with. Um, and, uh, you know, just be okay with it. Don't take things too seriously. And probably in, uh, you know, Overwatch League season two, that's when you can really start, you know, being a tryhard when it comes to fantasy. Dude, everything's serious. Uh, season two on the real, I'm going to start a long-term league, hopefully. And I would like to do like a, um, like a dynasty league and, or maybe a keeper league with prospects and stuff like that. But that's a whole nother thing. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that after the, the end of stage two, we can talk about setting those kinds of things up. Um, but we have some of the same lessons, honestly. Um, my number one lesson is going to be that playtime is king. I talked about this. I wrote a whole article on it. You want the players who are going to play the most. Pine still, after five weeks, has the highest points per minute, but he is nowhere near the top of total points just because of the amount of playtime he gets. So playtime is and always will be king or queen, whichever you live in, whether it's a monarchy or, hey, you don't have to be a king or queen. You're just like in charge of shit. We'll call it that. Um, Winston's Lab. Uh, need some work. That's going to be my lesson too. Just like you had kind of talked about the draft system. Um, overall, the platform is really good. 
I do think that the point system, while rudimentary and not what I would like to see, we don't have access to the system that I would like to make. Um, that said, I, the point changing, the changing of scoring, while most people think it's a cardinal sin, I, I wasn't a, a huge fan of it, but I do think that the new point system is a little bit more balanced. Most importantly, I think that giving people the option to choose between the two instead of just forcing everybody was really good. Um, there are some things I would still like to see in the platform. It is outside of doing manual calculations, which I'm doing, and it's a pain in my butt uh, to set up, and I'm still like only through week two and halfway through three is matchup scores, points per opponent, and instead of just a weekly score, and I honestly think we should be receiving map scores. So I want to know how many points each person got on the map. Now, I can go back and calculate that out, as I have with some, in some cases, but I shouldn't have to work that hard to get the information. Um, and the website does not display it in a very friendly or convenient way. Uh, lastly, just like you brought up, or not lastly, but the last part I'm going to say about the format in Winston's Lab is the draft system is, is fairly broken to do it the way they have. Uh, if you have the ability to do an off-platform off draft, as we did, like Abner said, hit us up. Um, Abner actually has a really good spreadsheet that he created for it. Uh, I'm sure that we could talk him into sharing that with some people. If you want to do an off-platform draft, reach out to us, and then we can talk about how you can set that up in the system. Basically pretty easy. Everybody just ranks the top 10 people that they drafted, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then puts a bunch of people that didn't get drafted, so mercy mains and stuff like that after, and then you guys kind of go from there, and everybody should get what they want. If you need to, you can trade after, but you should get all the players if the system works like it's supposed to. And then the last lesson I learned, my third lesson is start your studs and pray they aren't sick. You know, I have a couple of players even this week, despite all of my love and praise of Poco, like I said on the show last week, I started Hotba because he had played the most in the last two weeks. And then what happened? Hotba didn't play at all. Now, I didn't even want to play Hotba, but I didn't have, I, it was either him or somebody who wasn't going to play at all. So I was like, he has the most chance to play. And Poco hasn't been playing, so I'll start Hoppa, and then I get bit in the butt by a big old spider. Um, so start your top players, just like Abner said. He kind of got roasted by starting Effect this week and starting Linkser the week before. You know, that's just kind of life, but you don't want to miss out on their points. And the way that the system works right now and the way that Overwatch League works is that there is no mandatory reporting of injuries. There's no mandatory reporting of rosters. You know, maybe in the future, those are things that we're going to be able to see. Um, I would love to see the league implement where you have to submit your starting roster an hour before and those all get posted on Twitter or something. Hey, Blizzard, my name is Eric. At AKN Victus OW. You can find me on Twitter. When you are ready to set up Fantasy Overwatch, give me a call. I will help you. I will get everything taken care of. Just hit me up, dudes. Um, but until then, you start your studs and you hope that they come through or that they're not sick. The only things that I would say is, you know, definitely like this week on Oversight, 
Monty was talking about how he's a huge advocate for getting API, you know, to the masses so that we can all see the statistics. Um, and I think that's going to really be key to us being able to develop, uh, you know, a broader fantasy structure. So I do hope that that comes in the future so that we can really do something um, a little bit more fleshed out than just what comes up on the kill feed. Yes. So yeah, as soon as they have an API, dude, I'm, I'm going to lock myself in the room and I'm going to develop a fantasy system for everybody that is so sweet. Exactly. And then just real quick, I mean, specifically, uh, you know, for me, and I'm sure there's a lot of other nerds out there uh, who don't know this, but um, like in endemic sports, um, are you able to see like, uh, you know, a week out or like at least the same day um, what players are going to be out sick or yeah, so who has injuries? Is that is that something that's a whole lot easier, uh, at least more easily accessible? Yeah, so playing fantasy? in football, um, they have to report their practice status and they can report it as full participant, partial participant, limited and or injured, things like that. And so, you know, and so if they're going to play on Sunday by Friday, you'll know if they're going to, um, well, not necessarily because they, they have to post the official lineup or if they're going to be playing on Sunday um, a couple hours before the game. But then on Friday, you can usually tell if a player is going to play because on Friday they'll be either a full or a partial participant in practice. Um, if they're not pra- uh, practicing on Friday, you can usually say, hey, I might not want to start them. Um, and then on Sunday, usually a couple hours before their game, you'll know whether or not they're starting for real. Baseball, same thing. They have to, to let you know if they're injured or they're sick. And then usually the baseball players that you're going to be swapping around the most are going to be pitchers. And they're on a rotation, but usually earlier in the morning, the day of, they'll let you know who's actually going to be starting that week, or usually about 8 to 12 hours before. Or not that week, but that day. Um, as far as um, you know, that being a rule that those types of uh, you know statuses need to be posted, is that something that was driven by fantasy sports, or is that something that was happening before fantasy sports even like came into the picture? Um, it's actually before fantasy sports. A lot of it has to do with just the league rules. So football, it has to do with the uh, players actually being people knowing who they're going to have to scout with and stuff. The teams want to know who's injured, as well as I assume there's some players union stuff listed for reasons for it as well. But they do have to pose it. Baseball, uh, it's just league rules. It's, as far as I know, it's always been that way. Somebody could call me out and tell me I'm wrong, though, and I'd be happy to listen because maybe it wasn't. But as far as I know, it's been that way for a long time. I got you. Well, hey, I'm sure me and some other people out there appreciate you cracking that egg and knowledge on top of our foreheads. But uh, what we'll do is uh, talk about our top three players per role going into, you know, stage two and the rest of the season. So what do you got when it comes to your supports, Invictus? So my top three supports, um, you know, and a lot of this is just for who you guys should be thinking about trading for. You know, how hard you should you trade for him? What should you be giving for him? As well as maybe, um, you know, if you're about to draft or do a, a, a mid-season draft and start your league with stage two, um, you know, these are players you want to try to get real high up in the draft. Uh, my top three support, though, are going to be Jonak, Badosin, and Neko. Uh, Neko is probably the one that I'm most shaky on, not because he hasn't been performing well, 
I believe he actually might be the third overall in points for supports. But one of the reasons I like him is that Boston has some tenacity. Uh, like I said earlier, one of my main lesson is playtime is key. And Neko gets a ton of playtime. And they're constantly pushing people to five maps. They're doing a lot of stuff in overtime. And I just feel like that kind of trend is going to continue. And that's going to be beneficial for points. Um, Jonak and Bedozin start. They speak for themselves. Like... If you didn't watch this week's finals or even this uh, Saturday's matches, go watch Saturday's matches and try to tell me those aren't two of the best supports in the league. Um, but that kind of rounds out the, the top three supports that I'd be willing to either trade the farm for or uh, do whatever I got to do to get those in a draft. Uh, what about you, Abner? So uh, we do have overlap in Jonek, and if you've listened to the show at all, you know why we're picking Jonek, so... Um, you know, not a whole lot to think about there. Uh, where we and you know deviate is going to be, uh, you know, Jay Hong. That's going to be my number two. I think that uh, you know, with the Mercy meta on its way out, I think we're going to get to see a whole lot more of the Jay Hong that we know and we love. A whole lot less time with him there on the Mercy. So could be some more points there, especially if he gets to start playing some more, some more of his Zen, some more of his Anna. That's what I'm looking forward to. And if he um, cuts and, out this flank yada crap that he tried to pull this weekend. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, and then um, finally, the last player, um, it's really going to be along the lines of what you're saying, you know, just how important playtime is. Um, I think you're going to want to watch out for Boombox. Um, throughout the first five weeks of the Overwatch League, um, Philly and correct me if I'm wrong, but Philly's taken more teams to five maps than any other. I think they've done it every week except for one in some weeks they had multiple games that they took to five games um, boombox is pretty much always in that's not changing um, and uh, I really want to see where he's going to be at I think he's going to be able to consistently put up a good amount of points for your support slot no those are good picks boombox definitely has been in a lot and Philly is looking good. The other thing is that I do think that Philly is going to continue to be on the uptick. They've taken some really good teams to five maps. They've beat some really good teams. They've got a really solid coaching staff. So I do think that Philly is going to be a contender, especially, you know, I'll mention one of their players later, but you just can't count out their DPS duo. Uh, yeah. But the, the thing is, is that they've also taken a lot of uh, mediocre teams to five as well. I mean, uh, Mayhem and Shanghai, they took to five as well. So I don't know. That's really a... I think uh, those are play-style things, though. So if you actually watch a lot of the matches, um, they struggle against teams that counter-dive really hard. You look at their matchup versus Boston. Philly has a very, very good dive, and they're very aggressive in the way they play. Um, mm -hmm. They're willing to lose Fraggy if it means... You know, Carpe and Shadowburn can pick up three kills. The issue with that is when you play another team that has a very good dive or figures out how to stop your dive, you've got no support. So Boston just had, you know, the rest of their team, all right, you're going to dive on us. Well, we're just going to take out your supports, and our supports are going to stay alive because they're going to dive with us. Um, and I think that was a difference. So I do think that Philly has the room and the coaching staff and the analysts to teach them and show them how to kind of get around that. I expect them in their dive to improve, but I also think that with their roster, because they do have 12 people, they have the ability to make some adjustments and or find themselves in a better situation where they can stop that kind of stuff. Exactly. But 
no matter how you slice it, I think uh, Philly is going to have some really good high-scoring players on their roster, which I'm sure both you and I are going to be talking about here in a little bit. But uh, what do you got when it comes to tanks, man? Dude, I got to start tanks off with the dude Envy. Um, Envy has been playing great, way better than I think a lot of people anticipated him to play, including his own teammates and maybe even the coaching and the the staff over there for uh, Valiant, a.k.a. formerly Immortals. Um, you know, he struggled a lot during contenders, but it's a whole new, whole new ball game. He's been playing really good, very aggressive still, but the team kind of supports him more. I don't know if that's just the team intentionally supporting him more, or if maybe it's help from his tracer player. Cause soon it's just soon as soon. And he's definitely one of the probably top five to, uh, maybe even top three tracer players in the world. Um, number two, I'm going to bring in Mecco. XL is going to be another team that's going to continue to do well and score a lot of points. They're going to probably go to your stage finals if that matters again, which I hope it does not. But even if it does, Mecco has been playing really well and not just on Diva. His hog is insanely good. And so is Jonax for that matter. But, you know, Mecco has consistently played well on the off tank roles. And I do think that no matter what the meta changes, he's going to continue to find success and be able to score those points, especially if he's able to continue to play Roadhog. Those are picks, man. That's That has the opportunity for a ton of first kills and just kills in general. So I do think that Mecco is going to be a good pickup. And finally, I'm going to go with the dude Gesture coming off the one in Spitfire. Played amazingly good this week. But almost every single week, he's been in the top three to top five for tanks. Um, I think that as time goes on, he's missed a few maps, and I don't think we're going to continue to see that. I think London seems like they're finding their groove, and they might stick with the roster that they have now, and I hope so, because I own Gesture in a few leagues, or I I drafted him, I should say. I don't own anyone, but um, I want to see him continue to succeed, not just for my rosters, but he's a pretty exciting Winston to watch, and I know that as other tanks and stuff come into the meta, he's going to be able to find more success. Exactly. Um, no, I mean, I definitely think that uh, London, they've found their groove and uh, they know what they want to run. Uh, but it's really awesome that they have the ability to, you know, flex out these uh, these players to match whoever it is they're playing against. Now, when it comes to my tanks, uh, we got a little bit of overlap again. Um, I've pretty much spent this entire podcast just swooning over Envy and Fate. Um, and that's been happening since week one. And I'm really not one to throw all my eggs in one basket. Uh, but uh, when it comes to this tanking duo, they're really just a fantasy powerhouse. I think they're going to continue to be solid starters throughout the whole next stage, throughout the rest of the season. And I don't see where, um, you know, Valiant's going to spend a whole lot of time not doing well. I think th- I'm not sure if they're ever going to be uh, like a top team, but I definitely think they're going to be a top half team. And I think that these two are going to be able to put a lot of points on your roster. Um, finally, um, this is going to be my Hail Mary pick, my long shot. Um, that's going to be Manitin. Um, I think for a long time, Swoosh, he's kind of been the weak link in uh, Mayhem's roster. Um, and I don't say that lately because I like that guy a whole lot. Um, but I've even heard where he says that uh, he wants another tank on this lineup to learn, uh, get feedback from, pick up new play styles. Um, and they've gone ahead and they've picked up Zappis uh, throughout the signing window. With him, um, he's playing a whole lot of uh, you know flex tank and flex support in the past. 
but I really think the big impact that he's going to have on this team is going to be outside of the game. Um, and uh, I think that that's going to improve the Florida mayhem as a whole. We can hope that they're going to pick up some more players, maybe even some more coaching staff, um, you know, throughout this time. But I don't think you're going to see as much of a dominance over the Florida mayhem going into stage two. And I think that Manhattan is going to be able to move up the, uh, you know, up in the ranks when it comes to fantasy points. Yeah, I do think that they have some some solid uh, players, and I think that they have room to work on. The one thing with Swoosh is that it's not just that he hasn't been all that good, but he's still relatively new to the tank role. And exactly, while that might have been fine for the most part in EU contenders, he's now playing against some of the other best tanks in the world, and there is a little bit more room to improve. I do hope that Zappas brings the experience and the knowledge on it because. You know, he, he was a Genji player pretty much when they signed him and and got swapped over to Winston. So I give the guy some props for doing what he has to do to be on a team that wins and finds success. I'm excited to see what they can do in the future. And I hope, too, that they get some more staff on there that can help them all improve. Um, exactly. I mean, if you think about Swoosh, he's got a great attitude. Um, he wants to learn more. Did, he's willing to put in the work. So I think if they get the support for him, I think he's going to play a whole lot better. Dude, so many of the players on that team have good attitudes. Like they go into that stadium, they go up onto that stage hyped every single match. Um, and and that there's something to be said for that, considering a lot of teams don't. We've seen other teams look defeated going into it. We've seen other players saying, like, I'm not I can't do this anymore. I'm not good at hit scan. I'm not good at whatever. Like, this is a struggle. And then you just got Florida who's like, nah, man, we're a palm tree. You know, <laughs> they're they're basically my spirit animal at work when I go in and uh, I spend the whole day just trying to sell and uh, I can't even get a sale throughout the whole day. I just I just think about the Florida mayhem and how great their attitude is while, uh, you know, they get on the stage every day and uh, get beat pretty bad in front of thousands and thousands of people. If they can do it with a smile on their face, I can do my job with a smile on my face. I hope they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad thing i am complete i'm saying that i completely i am no completely i understand i understand envious of their pma it's that's the best thing you can have is pma um but what 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 are your dps what top three dps do you have going into stage two you got it man um you know first one i'm looking at is going to be carpe and that's for a load of the same reasons that i picked boombox seize um, the carpe exactly um I mean, he spent pretty much the entire first stage within the top three um, when it came to, uh, you know, point totals. Um, that's not going to change. And like I said, uh, Philly spent a lot of time taking people to uh, to game fives. So this guy is going to continue to rack up a ton of points for you. And when you say Philly took a lot of people to game fives, you mean Carpe and Shadowburn. Exactly. I mean, they the, the rest of their team is good. I shouldn't say that because they all play really well. And I'm actually really impressed with a lot of their players, especially their tanks. But, I mean, Carpe, rumored to be one of the highest paid players in the league, has been phenomenal. That guy is amazing at any role you put him on, or at least any hero you put him on. He's he's mind-blowing. I, I really, really like this guy a whole bunch. Uh, and next up, we're going to be looking at Effect. Um like we were saying earlier in the show, he took some time to head back to Korea. Um, I hope he comes back with a clear head. Um, and uh, I do think he's going to come back stronger. Um, now, uh, with that being said, 
I hope that the Dallas Fuel finds their footing, not just because I'm a Dallas Fuel fan, um, but uh, I think that it's going to enable Effect to be able to put up a lot more points. Um, what I am curious about is to see how he's going to look once they integrate AKM into the roster, or even how they're going to integrate AKM into that roster, because I'm not entirely sure how that's going to look. Um, finally, what we're looking at is going to be striker. Of course, as we all know, Boston has surprised everyone. I think that if anybody other than Huck, uh, the Boston roster, and their coaching staff told you that they were going to be where they are right now before the season started, they were 100% lying to you. They were delusional. But these guys have just blown everybody away. Um, They're hungrier than probably any other team in the league. And I really do think that, uh, you know, between Stryker and Dream Casper, um, you know, one of these two guys is going to be the leader in points, or at least in the top five, top three, when we're looking into stage two. But I'm putting my money on Stryker. Dude, they're both really good, and I agree with you. I, I don't know if it's something people attributed or something he else said about Huck or if it was something he said about himself. But so sometimes I've heard people say, like, Huck was like, either I'm going to, or people are saying about Huck, like, He's either going to be a genius or he's going to be looking for a job in six months. Like those are the two options. And and I don't think he's going to be looking for a new job anytime soon. Um, But they put, they're playing great. Like it was really hard for me not to include striker or dream Caspers because they've both been playing phenomenal. Both of them have been two of the best in their role. Um, And Boston has only been improving. They're so hungry. Um, And not just what the two DPS, but their tanks have been great. Uh, honestly, Note played so good against um, Cool Matt that I was impressed. Uh, and I believe at one point he actually baby diva and and killed Cool Matt. So, you know, that says something. But not, I mean, there's other factors, but uh, Note played really well. He's only been getting better. Gamsu is by far one of the top tanks, in my opinion, right now. Um, and the DPS, I had Neko up top too. So just saying about their support players. And Kellex mm-hmm. is an insanely good Lucio. So when he gets to come off of um, off of Mercy, I think their roster only gets stronger. That said, Definitely. I think I, I think what's tough um, with Boston, at least in their flex tank role now, is that between Note and Kalios, they're both super strong. So it's difficult to say. It's different you know, play styles, though. And I exactly. Think that, I don't know which one would necessarily play every week, but I do think that they're both really strong. And as far as the Ooh. team goes, I think that the rest of their players are going to be successful regardless of which off tank they put in. And that said, we don't know what the meta is really going to pan out to be. We could end exactly. up seeing a meta that I feel includes like both of them. It's a it's an unknown factor right now because we're not sure you know which one of those two or the long shot. Uh, you know, if both of them are going to get the playtime that they need. Now, real quick, before you get into your picks, just as a, uh, you know, disclaimer, um, I didn't go with, uh, you know, the one person that I'm sure everybody is going to be picking. I'm sure you have. um, And that's going to be Fleta. And that's only because I feel like if you need me to tell you that you got to pick up Fleta, then you probably got bigger problems than coming to this podcast to learn about fantasy. But I'm sure you're going to talk about it, man. What do you got for your offensive players? I do have Fleta in the number one spot because you should sell your soul to get Fleta. I wish that the system allowed you to trade two people for one because I would tell you to trade pretty much two um, players, either a top DPS and a good healer or a good off tank uh, for him. He's going to continue to be good. 
he's going to continue to carry. Fleta has been carrying teams since 2016. It's just what he does. Soul's going to bounce back. They're still going to be a top team. Um, I have faith in their process, their ability, their coaches, and the roster that they have. I personally think some of the substitution things that they did weren't so much to necessarily play around teams, but also to see their own weaknesses. Um, and they have they have another level. I still believe that ex-Lunatic High, a.k.a. the Soul Dynasty, has a third gear that they can shift into that they haven't yet. Uh, going up yeah, next, they're not, they're not they're not firing on all cylinders right now. They're firing on a lot of them, but not all of them. Yeah, and I think they have some other things that are going on that I think are going to improve. But um, my second uh, pick, my second number two DPS going into stage two is going to be somebody you also talked about, and that is Carpe. He has just been playing off the hook. He continues to perform well even without being in the stage playoffs this week um, and not having those extra games. I mean, we're talking, if you look at the actual overall fantasy player rankings, um, Carpe is number two with 509 points. Um, And that's a ton considering the people that are around him. One above him is Fleta at 599. Birdring is close behind at 496. Now, Birdring did sub out some maps, but Birdring also had, you know, nine extra maps on Saturday of week five to catch up and he didn't yet now that brings me to my next player who is actually going to be burdering um the dude's widow hit a level on Saturday that I have seen very few widows hit every map that they played when they showed his stats at the end it was like his his crit accuracy went up it was like man he has 16 percent crit accuracy holy crap that's nuts next map 18 percent crit accuracy what in the bleep 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 and then the next map 20 percent what the whatever zone that dude went into he just needs to live there um because he was clicking heads so fast and so frequently i couldn't believe it so those are going to be my top three now they are kind of the obvious three seeing as all three of them are the top three dps I do think that there are a ton of other great DPS out there. I talked about soon earlier. Um, another one I, I honorable mention would be Dante. He's been playing great as Tracer, way better than what people expected. If you have people in your league that maybe aren't fully paying attention, I would still maybe pick him up, even risking the fact that at some point during stage two, Sinatra is going to be eligible. I'm not. Well, that actually. Oh, go ahead, man. I was going to say, I'm not honestly convinced. That Sinatra's going to jump in right away and start playing. He does have to earn his spot, the coaches have said. And on top of that, you know, Dante at this point has an extra two, two and a half months playing with his team in these situations. Um, that chemistry is not easily replaced. So, my question for you is I mean, looking into, uh, you know, stage two, stage three, stage four, uh, you know, how is this landscape going to change when we have some of these, you know, 17 year old players coming into the league? Uh, I mean, or even like the pickups, you know, they're exactly, exactly. Hopefully next episode, we will have a ton of information about the players who are picked up and what you should sell and how many bits of your soul you should sell to get them. 
Um, the players that people have noted right now, uh, some Korean players going possibly to Shanghai, according to ESPN and Slasher. Um, if they do, including Gaguri, maybe pick them up, stash them on your bench, see what's going to happen. I'm concerned about three Koreans on an all-Chinese team that only speaks Chinese and has Chinese coaching staff. Uh, for me, that is a, a, a point of concern, but we'll see how things pan out or if that even ends up being true. Um, yeah, we've heard a lot of different things about where you know some of these players yeah. might be going. So I'd say those are bench stashable for sure. AKM, probably worth picking up. Again, like you said earlier, we don't know about the playtime. We don't know what role he's going to take. We just got to see if you can pick up AKM. I'd say he's worth it. Um, as far as the players that are already in the league and not yet 18, uh, three of the big names would be Sinatra. Um, Sinatra, and, and, I know that Snillo is also not 18 yet. Um, Snillo is one, while you look that up, Snillo is one I, I own in a couple of leagues. He is an amazing tracer, but he is playing on the same team as Carpe, so I would be concerned about his play time. He might end up being trade fodder or something like that going into season two. We will have to see. Um, what? I'm trying to think of who else. Yes. Super. Super and Space, I believe. Space might be 18 and just hasn't seen play time yet. I cannot remember. Um, as for Super, Super is somebody that that's who I wanted to say in the beginning. I just couldn't think. I kept coming up with space, but I knew that wasn't who I, I wanted to talk I about. I kept thinking sleepy, So, I, but I was like, I know he plays right now. So, um, yeah. It was an S name. Yeah, we were, we were real close, man. I blame this glass of wine I just finished. Um, oh. But, but all right, here's the thing with Super. I honestly think that Super, as far as the 18-year-olds go, may be the biggest impact. Um, I, he has played a ton of heroes in the past. Almost every one of the coaching staff and players on his team say that he plays almost every character at an extremely high level, very mechanically st- skilled and very game smart, which is something that's huge to say of somebody that his, is his age. Um, and I even remember going back to like before the season started, uh, Harsha and Legit were on a podcast, I think around the payload maybe or something like that. And basically like, dude, he's one of the most mature players um, and most responsible people on the team. And you're like, damn, that's impressive for a 17-year-old. So keep your eye on Super. I own him in one league. I'm willing to trade for him in almost any league. So if you have him and you're in a league with me, hit me up. We'll see what we can work out. Because I do think that he's going to be a successful player. Because if it goes tank meta and they need three tanks, you, you he's right there. If they need him to play another role, he's going to be ready. Um, And so I think he's going to find himself in a position where even if he's not playing every week or every map, maybe I'd say not every map, I'm pretty sure he'll probably find a few maps every week that he comes in on. Now, uh, you know, real quick before we close things out, and this might even be, uh, you know, a conversation that might take another episode for, but... uh, in other sports, when it comes to fantasy, how do they handle new players coming in? So is it just going to be first come, first serve when AKM you know, shows up on the um, unsigned roster? or you know, I assume How are we going to pick him up? I assume that Winston's Lab is going to do the same thing they do with 
roster pickups. It's going to go based on your position in the league. Now, other leagues and other fantasy sports have different rules just based on your league settings. So you might be in some fantasy leagues where it really is first come, first serve. My baseball league is first come, first serve. No waiver wire. You can pick up every single day, and it's a daily roster swap or uh, roster lock. So you can you change out players daily. Uh, with 14 transactions, you can do a week. You basically pick up like two to three people a day if you want to be hardcore. Some leagues only allow you to pick up players uh, once a week. And in those leagues, it's usually based on some kind of order uh, of who puts the request in first, or it could be a position order. Now, some, like say, for example, a lot of fantasy footballs, there's a waiver wire order in a lot of fantasy football leagues. And so if you drafted first, going into the first week, you're going to be 12th and waiver. And whoever drafted last is going to be first and, you know, kind of all down the line. Now, when you use your first place or your first waiver wire slot you drop down to the next one now say for there have been times where i was had drafted first and i had the number one waiver pickup and i never spent it until like halfway through the season until there was somebody i absolutely wanted and i could guarantee that i got him um, but waiver wire orders are pretty nice now the system that it looks like Winston's lab is going to be using, especially when they add people, is going to be um, based on your actual position or standing in the league. I'm okay with that. It's not ideal in my point in my point of view, but it's also not horrible. What I am concerned about is that they have not mentioned when they are going to put those players on and when you're going to, they're going to make them available. So hopefully we'll get information and news on that soon. Now, I, I do want clarification for myself when you say based on your standing uh in the league so does that mean that if i'm first in the league i would get first pick no that means you get last last okay that makes way more sense to me because that feels like you would just be creating a system where you will continue to win no so that sounds it's like winners fall in basketball 1v1 man yeah i like it that sounds good well uh shoot i mean that'll finish us out for you know our top three per role so what are you gonna do with your week off man dude i'm gonna create an article and i'm gonna list and rank every player for you guys and post that on hopefully wednesday or thursday on our website and by then we will have a a legit url probably so i can share that with you guys on twitter Um, until then you can hit us up in the discord and i can give you a link to the current article but the url is a bomba for sure. And we've been having a whole lot of extra people coming into the Discord here recently. We'd love to hear from you. Come in, chat. Let us know if you have any questions. We'd love to discuss anything that you have questions about. I am, you know, the resident uh, fantasy newbie, but I'm sure you got some questions that maybe even I don't have. So feel free to let us know. Um, you can also catch us on our email. What's that, Invictus? It is fancywatchodub at gmail.com. Also, if you're a new listener, dude, thanks for showing up. Thanks for coming in and checking us out again or, or for the first time. Feel free to drop us a line if you think we need to improve anything. Let us know. If you want to see some more content from us or some different things, let us know too. Uh, you can always leave us a review or a rating on uh, Apple or on whatever podcast form you like to use. Um, you can hit me up personally at invictus odub on twitter or you can join our discord and i'm in there all the time uh, where can the good homies find you abner you can find me at abnerd on twitter 
And I just want to say, of course, we appreciate the new listeners, but I got to say thank you so much to our tried and true. That'd be my wife, my mom, and my dad. Just tuning in each and every week, despite the fact they don't know anything about Overwatch or fantasy sports. Gotta love it. They're probably our number one fans. Yeah, that's Definitely. really hard because we only get six <laughs> listens a week, so... <laughs> oh, well, Just I'm kidding, pretty sure that <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. No, but uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, they all listen together. So that only counts as one. But no, we definitely want to hear more from you guys, talk to you guys in our Discord. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely maybe even in the future we can play some games together because I'll probably spend a good chunk of this uh, this week off just grinding out some games. Dude, the other thing is, when the games come back, when I can and I'm not at work, I've been joining the Discord and listening and live viewing. If you want to just kind of BS, watch the games, talk analysts, uh, I've been in there with some of my buddies, specifically one of my homies, Mikey. So shout out for Mikey for always showing up and being down to chill and talk fantasy and uh, Overwatch at a high level. Um, was it, Other than playing, is there anything else you're going to do with your week off? I'm definitely going to spend some time just looking over all of the, uh, you know, player results through stage one, just so we can make sure that we can look back and analyze. I'm looking to have an article ready to go for you guys when it comes to, uh, you know, just a, a breakdown of how stage one went, what we expected, what actually happened, because there's definitely some stuff that nobody foresaw. I'm looking at you, Dallas. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, I get that. Um but I do want to thank you guys for joining us. This has been Fantasy Watch Episode 8, following up after the Stage 1 Finals. We're excited to see you guys coming into Stage 2. You can catch us next week. We're going to go into Stage 2 rankings, give you guys a Stage 2 preview. And if we're lucky, we're going to get to talk about a ton of player signings and who you should be trying to use your waiver wire on. Until then, be excellent to each other, my dudes. And party on. Just enjoy the fun.